This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. And we are back with most likely our last installment in these uh, note reviews, going over the very many notes that I have bullet pointed over time and done absolutely nothing with as they pertain, pertain to line dance. There's one that I crossed off that I guess I should just mention um, first. I have one that says, tell the stagecoach story, <laughs> which I guess meant at some point last year that I had some story to tell about stagecoach. I don't know what it was. <laughs> so a year later, <laughs> that's <Oops>. the story. <laughs> I went to stagecoach. It was great. And you danced. I sure did. End of. <laughs> so go to Stagecoach. Um, bunch of other stuff. Here's one that directly precedes that note. What dance moments have stuck with you? And then I don't know if this is related, but underneath that I wrote montage style. I don't know if that was a normal line break or if that was attached to that thought. But what dance moments have stuck with you? I think that was intended to be like a podcast question for interviewees. and things. That'd be a good one too. Yeah. I definitely want to hear some people's responses to that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say, like, in the general sense, everything has gotten me where I am today, so everything is technically stuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, but the memories or moments that stick out... Um, oh, I know... There's a couple at Mavericks um, that really stick out. Not so much for um, KJ's. Like I remember going to KJ's. I remember like people that I went with. But there's no real like moments that I was like, I remember that like it was yesterday. Kodiak Jacks for those who don't know what KJ's oh, is. Yeah, my apologies. <laughs> um, but Mavericks, there was a couple. Um, one of them being when I, after taking the lesson for Barefoot and Buck Wild, I ended up walking people through it um, on the dance floor later, um, which was kind of like my first time really walking someone through a dance, which was really cool. Um, I know Cherie hadn't learned the lesson at that point, so she was really grateful. Um, and that was you as well. You'd came up, come up to me afterwards because you didn't, didn't take the lesson. You're all, thanks for walking me through that. And I went, uh, you're welcome. And yeah, so I remember that moment. Uh, I remember another moment in which um, I was approached, I guess you could say, by Tori about an interest in being on the team if they brought people on the team because she heard that I was considering moving. And I told her if I wasn't moving that I'd be highly interested. And then nothing kind of came of that, unfortunately, because very shortly afterwards, Mavericks closed. So there's that. Um, other than that, there was just little moments here and there. Like I remember the first night I walked into Mavericks um, in the sense of like, I remember seeing certain people there and being like, shocked and like excited and just in awe that like I found a place again to dance um 
And then there's certain moments that, like, because of pictures that were taken there, like, I can recall those events, but as for, like, just pulling them out of thin air, it's not quite the case. Um, I remember being approached to come watch a practice and consider uh, joining the Cowtown Cowgirls dance team. I remember that moment. That was a pretty big moment for me. Um, as for stuff that happened at like trade wins, there's so many little things that happened that just kind of made that what it was. Like no huge, amazing, spectacular moment that I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that. And it was like, you know, the hills were singing or something crazy like that. Um, I remember a couple of conversations I've had with people that really affected my life and decisions I came to. Um, and I can't thank Charles and Jonas enough for some of those conversations. Um, I remember a couple conversations with Celine that happened to me while we were dancing because of something or another. Um, I remember asking you to, to drifter. That was like one of the first times I actually got the courage to dance next to you. <laughs> um, yes, I did think you were that good. I still do. Um, but there's stuff like that. I remember hurting myself <laughs> really badly. I remember that too. <laughs> that was not fun at all. On Fat Sally? No. Fat Sally Lee? No. Oh, God, no. Uh, no. No, it was my dance. It was Miracle Round uh, at the Davis, Davis Graduate. Oh, okay. Like, the second song to be played that night. Fat Sally was somebody else. And, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> if I can avoid Fat Sally, I will. Um, That's a dance name for anybody who's curious. <laughs> like, it's an actual, it's not a person or anything. <laughs> the song is by Rednecks. It's a lot of moving around. Definitely one of my least favorite <laughs> dances that couldn't just disappear. <laughs> um, I'm going to Google that to see whose feelings have just hurt. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people's feelings because I know how many gentlemen love that dance. <laughs> Um, what does Ron call that one again? That would be the booby dance. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why does he call it that? Because your boobs bounce a lot. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, let's see what else do I remember. Like moments that have stuck out with me. I remember certain moments at the performance of the fairgrounds with the Cowtown Cowgirls. I remember leaving the team. That was a big moment in dance that certainly affected my life from here on out. Um, I remember being rejuvenated by dance again when I started going to the grad and Stoney's and seeing what else was out there. And then the world being blown open when I learned of SoCal and circuit events. And I remember those feelings of just like, where have I been? Um, 
I remember meeting Jono, headed to Starbucks, talking about Disney <laughs> and Starbucks. Um, I mean, I can't forget that, that picture of margaritas or... Um, at WWLA. Yeah, WWLA. Or uh, Joey's special drawing that Kalea drew for him at dinner. Remember that? Um, this is Joey Warren for anybody who's not sure which Joey we're yeah, talking true about. True enough. Yeah. True enough. I remember all the blood and the sweat and the frustration of learning some of the dances to prep for Vegas. There was blood? I didn't know about any blood. <laughs> Ew. There might as well have been. Okay. Um, I remember being so amazingly frustrated with Do Something Crazy. Hmm. I remember that moment like it was yesterday, and I don't understand why I was so frustrated either. Because hmm. then I took the lesson later, and it was like, oh, this is a piece of cake. Hmm. So... I don't know what mental block I had at the moment, but there certainly was one. Um, I'm trying to think of what what other real like. I mean, obviously, all of Vegas is still like so fresh in my mind. I, mean, like, I can't it, even sum that one up. You if just, it helps, we have the recap episodes for Vegas, Palm Springs, right? and Big Bang. So anybody who really wants to hear like the in depth stories of those, we have those recorded. Oh yeah, like, and that's why I'm like all of Vegas. Like, I can't there there isn't one moment in Vegas that I can really recall not having something amazing happen. Um, as for like. Palm Springs, like I certainly remember um, demoing with Joe and Amy. Like those were huge moments for me. Like and so special that they would even consider asking me in the first place. I, I can't even describe the joy and the honor that that was for me. Um, but backing up just a little bit, I remember planning a trip to LA for New Year's um, and dancing with Camille and Emily and Kalea and even James. James showed up. That was nice. Um, that was so much fun. I remember driving for hours to make it back to Stoney's for New Year's Eve because as much as I wanted to be in LA and experience what LA could be for New Year's, I knew I wanted to be in my home venue with other people equally as important. <laughs> um, I'm trying to like summarize these because like I don't want to go into too much detail just because like a lot of these are like personal That's emotional fine. We stuff. We have so many bullet point items here. Right. Um, and <clears throat> yeah I mean I moved with Big Bang and now we're here. Mm-hmm. I remember certain lessons and events that happened along the way, but like those are the big ones, I guess. Okay. What about you? Oh, no, I'm not even going to get into mine. We only have an hour and a half. <laughs> I might circle around if there's time, but there probably won't be. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else we have here. Here's a long one. Um, when people come up with strange but perfect creative ideas, like the fancy dance scene in the Are You That Somebody music video by Aaliyah, where they go into like a dance break. Um, how do they know that was right? 
if it was destined to be that way, it must have been sculpted out of the possibilities encasing what was ultimately produced. Sort of like when you have a block of marble and you're just discovering the statue that's inside of it and you're clearing everything else away. Um, it must have been sculpted. So we need to learn how to trust our intuition and remove the obstructions encasing the perfect dance for expressing a song. So the idea behind that is there's some real weird stuff that people come up with for dances. <laughs> like, let's do something with a towel? <laughs> yeah. Um, yet, out of like all the options that were there, like shuffles and crosses and walks and whatever, they moved all those out of the way, and what was left was the best thing for that moment, which is what they chose. Or they were drunk and they chose arbitrarily. <laughs> which is another note on here. Um, <laughs> So if you want to discover, I guess it kind of comes back to that point about stillness. Um, if, you, if you want to discover the most perfect set of movements for a song to create a dance for it, then sometimes you just need to trust um, your taste and say no to things that you don't think are quite right. Even if they're like 80% right, if you can really just fine-tune that, like the way Jono does with his dances, and make a tiny little tweak on it, and that makes it the 100% sp spot-perfect movement for that beat. Mm -hmm. Then just keep adding those beats together, and eventually you'll have a dance that works. Well, and, and some of that really comes down to it doesn't have to be out yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, you can just give it the time it needs. Um, also, I have a similar note here that says, doing weird dance shapes on beat with confidence imposes order on music. So it seems right, even though it's ultimately arbitrary. Conflicting thoughts. <laughs> this was a few lines down from that other one. So I must have had uh, some, some new thoughts that led to that discovery. Because really, like... If, if you have a very straightforward dance that somebody is doing kind of shakily, like it's still under development, or some super weird dance that doesn't seem like it should work, but they're like, yeah, I got this, like Guyton does with everything, <laughs> then that seems like the right dance for it, just because they carry it so well. Yeah. Yeah. Also related to Guyton, I have a note that says, are dances a solvable set, like chess moves? Should we go into non-physical choreography to surpass those limitations? Like when you look at something like tic-tac-toe, it's very easy to see how it's a set of movements that are possible, and all the games that you could possibly play in tic-tac-toe are one of those Variations, many combinations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, chess has a lot more possibilities, but it's still technically a solvable set unless you just like... And you can't even just like do the same movements back and forth over and over into infinity because there are limitations on how many times you can repeat a sequence like that. So um, if dance has a solvable set, as enormous as it might be, maybe the solution to that would be to go non-physical and see what else can be introduced. Sort of like how there are only a certain number of... I think we talked about this before. There are a certain number of letters in the alphabet and... Once you've used up every possible combination that carries meaning with it, introduce one more letter, and poof, you know all these new things, all these new combinations are possible yeah. with that new letter. Uh, so yeah, 
if there are towels or knee pads or hats or whatever that people can bring into dance, all of which have been used, I think all by Guyton. That <laughs> um, would not surprise me. Yeah, then then those um, those can expand what you consider to be possible with the human body and with line dance. Yeah, because I mean, there is the saying that there's only so many ways you can move your body, mm -hmm. but have we really discovered all of those ways yet? I'm pretty sure Roy and Rachel have. But I mean, they, you know, they make they... it look like they're human, so that's nice of them. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Basic steps leave living space for filling in with personal meaning. Trevor has a really good example of that uh, with Shape of You right now, where he's stripped down a lot of the things that don't seem like they're totally necessary. And if you want to add your own body rolls or whatever, there are probably places where you could do that. But he takes it down to like the skeleton, and it, it on its own, vanilla looks great. Yeah. So... It certainly hits in a lot of really good spots, even being as, I don't want to say simple, but... Followable? Yeah, in the sense of like, he didn't choreograph all the moves that you could possibly make into the dance. He left it for your own variation so that right. you yourself as the dancer can then interpret and put your own styling on it. Right. Yeah, I've, I've seen him do that with a lot of dances. Um, in fact, I have another note on here that I, I'm not even entirely sure what I meant by it, but <laughs> I, I put some successful dances obfuscate stationary movement with weaves and holds like Ain't Too Cool. So I love Ain't Too Cool. I have so much fun with that one. <laughs> and there is still a lot of space to do what you want with the movements that are in there. Uh, but it's not so basic that it's just everything is on whole counts. Yes, yeah, and everything's step, predictable. Rock step, 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 rock step. Half right. Turn, quarter, turn. Mm -hmm. And he has holds and weaves in there so that it's it makes it harder for you to see the dance in your head. And if you can't sum it up so quickly that it becomes boring, then there's still room for discovery. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I meant here by obfuscate stationary movement. Um, it kind of confuses things just a little bit, kind of like the haze that they put over captchas mm -hmm. um, so that bots can't read it. They, he almost puts enough things in there that if you're absolute, absolute beginner, it's a little confusing, so it's still kind of fun to learn, yeah. which is like a good level to have as a dance in a bar because it makes you want to take lessons. Yeah. It's not so difficult that you think lessons wouldn't even help, but it's not so basic that you didn't try and then don't feel like you earned it. Yeah. Uh, let's see, who else leaves basics, uh, Leaves a lot of space for movement in basic? Oh, Roy, actually, he does that too. Um, with things like uh, dances like Forever and Electrisk, there are enough whole counts in there that you can do extra stuff if you want, but it's not necessary. And it's still fun enough with the basics to just enjoy it for what it is. Mm -hmm. Ah. Disneyland for line dance with <laughs> areas that represent characters who choreograph based on style. So let's say you had Disneyland um, with all the different lands and you had like Guytonland and there was like a stage there where they were playing all the Guyton dances and it was like this funky land. And then you had like Joe Land where it's like kind of country, kind of soul and it's got like a sass to it and like some classicness to it as well. Uh, and they all have their own stages and their own playlists. Uh, but depending 
how you feel, like one land could be more for you than somebody else's. Just like with Disneyland, like you have little girls who want like the fantasy princess land and all that, and then you have maybe the the guys who want to, I don't know, be Frontierland. Jedi or, you know, yeah, I was thinking Tomorrowland, but yeah, they could do Frontierland. Um, and I'm just going to reinforce all the gender stereotypes here, but like, <laughs> uh, like that can be uh, something for the dancer to discover as well, even if they think that they are supposed to be in waltzy nightclub two-step Brandish Chateau land or something where it's like beautiful, elegant, pretty motions. Um, maybe they take a little stroll into like Fred Whitehouse. This stuff is way too hard for me. Wait, I can actually <laughs> learn this? Um, like, that sounds about accurate. <laughs> yeah, and, and discover that they really like it. And then they find out, wait a second, Fred also has these really pretty ballet type dances. Oh, and Brenda also has these kind of like, uh, dances, like things you wouldn't expect. So there's like a little crossover in every one of these lands that makes them all tie together as one big non-fenced off, um, what would you call it, entertainment center. Okay. Uh, but there's still like enough color that's individually, uniquely that person that you get a good sense of uh, you know where you fit if you if you go to that place and say like, yeah this is it I'm home here and then of course you have the people who are like dressed up like Guyton with the beanie like you have a big mascot like uh, uh, like Mickey or something but with like the the arm wristband and like t-shirt with him on it with the sunglasses yeah yeah all that stuff I think that'd be really neat I have no idea where anybody would have the budget for that but um, I mean, if, if Dollywood exists. A, Essentially, uh, sounds like a stepped-up event to me. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because essentially, that's what you do at events: is you go to the lessons by the choreographers or the ones that appeal to you mm. in the different ballrooms, depending mm. on how big the event is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, you just kick it up a notch, maybe. Yeah. I wonder how people would describe their own lands if they if they could design it how they wanted. That would be really cool. Because mm-hmm. maybe the way other people see them is not necessarily the way they see themselves. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe they, they want to showcase some things that they think are really them and other people don't even know about it because like, they've never had that right song come along to fully express that pi- part of them, that side of themselves. All right. That'd be kind of interesting instead of like how they name the different ballrooms, like different things or whatever, it would just be like, Gaten. <laughs> 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 Find a way to make the experience of being at a dance venue better than home. Just like, oh, and this was, I think I mentioned this in some podcast episode before. Um, like, part of the appeal of joining the army for people who don't have, like, back in the day, like Civil War or whatever, like, uh, if they didn't have nice clothes, their army uniform might be the nicest thing they owned. So, that would be one of the perks of them going into something like that. Yeah. Uh, if you're at a dance venue, what could they offer there that's better than staying home? Like you've, I, both of us have had times when uh, we just don't want to be at home because whatever's happening there is just like adding to the problem. So like being anywhere else or being specifically at a dance venue is mm-hmm. like 10 times better. Oh yeah. Depending on what's going on in life at that time. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, what would it be um, that you could 
and I think we've probably talked a lot about this in the Ideal Line Dance venue uh, episode where we mostly talked about Stonies and how welcoming they are and how they offer you food and all these great things and they know you by name. Uh, yeah, generally that's just a, a, a point I had on here from long before that episode. Uh, how do you make being there better than anywhere else? A lot of that, honestly, is the people for me. I agree. Because, I mean, we've discussed it numerous times that, like, you know, in theory, all you really need is some music and a parking floor lot. or parking lot, mm. you know. Um, and that's, you know, that's anywhere you can dance. But, like, why I go to Stoney's over anywhere else, with it being one of the farthest drives, is because of the people. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole environment adds to it, of course, but, like, it's primarily the people, and that's because of whatever relations I've built with them. Um, You know, same reason why we flew all the way to North Carolina Mm -hmm. (laughs) is because of the people and the experience of it. So, I mean, that comes down to, like, just in general, like, being welcoming, having the right people there the right kind of music and then everything else that you consider of what a specific dancer might need water seats a floor music you know a sound system someday i'd like to get one of those three thousand dollar massage chairs that'd be really cool how many dance venues have that right uh, let's see. I have one here that I can actually cross off from earlier because we kind of talked about it already. Charge more, exclamation point, to pay for marketing and sales. If it isn't worth paying more for, how good is the product really? Which is probably something I got from some Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh, and yeah, I mean, really, you can justify it to yourself as it is this good, it is worth this much, and... I'm not just taking people's money and blowing it on a yacht. I'm trying to share it with more people. I need money for marketing. I need money for like designing better flyers or you know, Facebook ads or whatever it might be. Yeah. And you're putting it directly back in. It then reaches more people. They get to experience it and enjoy it. And then the network of friendships grows among uh, people who are new to it and people who helped contribute the money to that in the first place by being among the earlier adopters. Well, yeah, and I know we've had several different conversations about, like, how to make some of the venues we've tried in the past work. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times people say, you know, I'd be willing to pay a cover charge if it meant I had security. Mm -hmm. Or I'd be willing to pay a cover charge if that meant that we could put more towards the lighting or Mm -hmm. the floor or something like that. Like, a lot of people are very much willing to pay something to have a better experience. Mm-hmm. You just have to really find out what that experience entails to know where to put that marker. Mm-hmm. This is another one I can cross off because it's sort of just become something I think about, especially when we go over lists of things that apply to Lionance. For every new thought, the thought may relate to different levels of the community, including the dancer, the herd, the event, the venue, the region, and so on. And it's just kind of become natural for me now to think in those terms when I'm looking at you know one specific thing that's uh, like in the book about happiness, like um, 
you know, or, or the four agreements, you know, not taking things personally. How do you not take things personally as the DJ, as the event manager, as the instructor, as a dancer, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. Um, commission shirts that make big choreographers look like stars, a la Seth <laughs> Rollins, Rollins from WWE. Uh, when he came back, um, actually even before he came back from injury, um, when, when he was no longer a member of The Shield, which was a group in WWE, he had his own individual shirts made, just representing himself. <laughs> and the, the care that they took in designing his logo made him look like a real big deal. Uh, they did the same thing for Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, who were the two other members of The Shield. And I think that that would be great to see on choreographers as well, because they have uh, their strengths, and their strengths might be in dance and not design. Um, but if if we want to share them with like a lot of people, then it would be great if like one of us designers out there, uh, not me, <laughs> probably, I'm assuming not you? Not me, not yeah. so much. Uh, you know, if somebody came up with like some great idea for representing what Joey Warren is or what Roy Hadusabroto is beyond just whatever, you know, a person could put together in like Microsoft Paint, like something that looks professional and looks really nice just to look at. As um, I'm wearing my Astro Roy shirt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, even just the typography on uh, Scott Blevins' is I love that little like patch right there. On the front. Yeah, the, the front. Corner. That little like signature looking. The SB. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, and there are a few that look really good. And then there are some, like there, there was um, a shirt that we saw in one of the events that we attended where there was a sort of logo-ish symbol that represented the dancer, and it didn't look at all like what I think of when I think of that dancer. Um, yeah. And I think that person like deserves so much better. And if I were a designer, then I would you know give them all kinds of options and say like, here's one that I think makes you look like a million bucks. Do you want it? <laughs> Right. Yeah, and if, I, I wish I had that power, but uh, unfortunately, I, I do not personally um, have that skill. So if anybody is out Neither there do I, to so. design stuff like that, I think really everybody in the scene can use something like that. The events could use really pretty uh, flyers and T-shirts. and mm -hmm. uh, Like we were saying earlier about how the events don't really have something like the TARDIS, where every year you see that thing and you think of that event. They could use that. Yeah. Some of the dance venues have a budget for that kind of thing, so they do, but they're like country bars. Like, who, who would get to see something that cool? Right. And I know I had mentioned um, in one of the classes I had attended earlier this week, um, they had made a comment on one of my shirts that I got from Big Bang. And I said, like, I was actually really pleasantly surprised with how this one was put together because, like, I didn't feel like some of the others that I've seen, like, I don't know, I, I feel, felt a little bit, I was never one for like the face of someone right. to be on my shirt mm -hmm. um, or like something big on the front of my shirt. I was never that kind of person. I didn't mind having a couple things on the back, but like I really liked more of the small little logo, um, like where your pocket would be on your shirt uh, and then something on the back. Mm -hmm. But like the something on the back had to be tasteful and clean not like crazy this huge action shot is going on or something like that wwe shirts get a lot of flack for that because for you know the few really um 
top name people that get the nice designs. You have a lot of really horrible, childish looking things yeah. that nobody wants to wear and they still make those shirts. Why? I don't know. Yeah. In, in the Squared Circle subreddit that I that I read, like <laughs> every once in a while they'll they'll post a link to a new shirt that's been made and it's an exception if it looks good. Exactly. So like there are certain shirts that like I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm glad I didn't spend the extra money and get that shirt. And then I look at like the Big Bang one and I was like, I was really impressed with the coloring, with the placement of everything. Um, I love Scott Blevins t-shirt, Have Fun, Go Mad. Um, I really love the cut of it. That was like one of the big things of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I like how just clean and simple and to the point, but how like, how much it represents him mm. at the same time. Like how technically clean he is. You have the letters that look like they were yeah. very carefully trimmed to fit in the space that they're in. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple Rachel shirts and Madison shirts that like, it's like, dang it, I've only got my hands on that one, you know? Before it sold out or something. Yeah, um, or even just in general. <laughs> but, you know, like, I know like there's certain choreographers that I do want their shirts because I want to represent them because of how much like I respect them. Um, but again, it's like there's certain logos that I want to recept it, uh, represent them in a way that I see them mm -hmm. as opposed to like how you were mentioning how like it's just not how you see that individual at all. So it's like, why would you put the money towards that if that's not how you see them? Mm -hmm. so, but new topic. <laughs> yes. Um, here is one I can cross off pretty quickly. Uh, Move to the Netherlands and be with New Line. New Line's actually in more countries than just there, but I guess at the time I thought that you know, there were a lot of people there. That's still on the table. Uh, the Netherlands have, uh, is, is a region with you know, many um, very cool line dance people, <laughs> and I'd like to check that out for at least a few months at some point in my life. And I have relatives there. I figure as long as we, you know, we could own a house somewhere in every little country that has line dance. A little satellite hub that's like, communally line dance people, just like a timeshare. Yeah, exactly. That'd be pretty cool. I have another one that says, how long will my notes be relevant? <laughs> cross that one out. Uh, let's see. Oh, this one we've discussed before. Stop calling it crazy and just own it. Oh, yeah. Um, like I used to say, uh, well, I'm just one of those you know, crazy line dance people, so you know, I think this or that. Uh, but Passionate. Yeah, exactly. I've just kind of stopped saying it, and I think I've stopped thinking it because of that. Um, let's see. Ah, create PSA, like public service announcement, wartime memes for how line dancers should act. Like, you know, the, the old posters that say, like, loose lips sink ships and stuff like that, or buy war bonds. If there is something that uh, you think line dancers could do for etiquette, like put your cell phone down or something like that, just a very simple message in a nice Art Deco style, then people would think, oh, wow, that's pretty. I want to put that up in my house. And then maybe it'll seep into their brain. I can do this for line dance etiquette or just dance etiquette. Maybe. Or life etiquette. Put your cell phone down <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Unless you're learning to dance or something. That also attains to the laptop as well. Dancing with your laptop? No. Put the laptop down. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever your electronic distraction of choice may be. Uh, I also have one here, speaking of Frontierland, uh, dances to songs are a new frontier like the internet and radio. 
Uh, and then in brackets, I have frontier guy throwing dice, question mark. Um, so uh -huh. the, the idea, <laughs> the idea uh, behind that was that like when radio opened up, uh, people didn't really know what to do with it. Like There were some things that people were able to do with it, and then people started filling in all the channels with whatever they filled it in with. Internet, same thing. Like There's a tool there, and what you do with it is up to you. Okay. Uh, so with, with dance, you have all these songs that before, maybe you would think, oh, I don't need to do a dance. This Maybe somebody else has a dance to it. Now you can go in Coppernob and see. Nobody has one. Mm -hmm. uh, there are all these songs from the past, from before line dance was really like a thing, uh, that nobody has touched. So... You know, the, the frontier is wide open for people to explore old popular music that could have had dances, but again, it was before line dance was a thing, uh, or new genres of music that haven't even been explored, like classical music or something. I don't know, something where you don't see any line dances to it because it's just so out there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, frontier guy throwing <clears throat> dice. What is that about? Maybe it was like an ad idea I had for like Maybe. the guy seeing the possibilities of... That sounds like you. I don't know. Yeah, probably something along those lines. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, this is another one I can cross out uh, because we kind of did this with choreographing hashtag woke pop. Point of view choreo choreography process video. We didn't actually do a video, but we sure did talk through it mm -hmm. um, in depth. Uh, let's see. Oh, make people feel good in their bodies and look good to others. Partner with Trunk Club or other designers. Create motions that impress. Show before and after unconfident, pardon the term, schmuck, who <laughs> learns to dress for his body and move in unexpected ways. So this would be a way of uh, promoting line dance to people. is not just the movements, because like, if you show them in their whatever, like, I don't know, sweatpants and baggy stained t-shirt and uh, their old shoes and, like, they, they don't feel confident because they don't think they look the way that their body is moving. Mm -hmm. If they dress in the way that even just, like, flicking on a light switch looks like they're a model, uh, then they might feel more comfortable in doing dances that are appropriate with that. So when people discover what their body type is and what looks good for that, then they can move in those clothes and feel good moving in them. Uh, if you partner those things together, those concepts together, like uh, fashion design, like Trunk Club or something, where they select outfits for you, uh, and then somebody curates a set of dances for you to learn that would work well with your body type, then you could kind of promote it as an all-over lifestyle enhancement package where you get both of these things and now you look the part and you move the part. You walk the walk and you talk the talk. I don't know, something like that. So let me cross that one off. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that one. Why is that? Well, I mean, I can kind of... I can see, see where can... you were going with it, but at the same time, like, that's... Part of my journey was discovering that kind of stuff for myself mm -hmm. and figuring out like what I started with mm -hmm. 
when I started line dancing to like who I am now and what I wear now mm -hmm. and what dances I do, completely different. Right. And that's because in the beginning, I got to experiment and I got to really figure it out as opposed to someone telling me, well, that one doesn't really work for you, so try this. Well, it wouldn't just be just arbitrary, you know, you are this height and this width, therefore wear this. I think there would be a little bit more of like a survey process, like what kind of music do you like to listen to usually? Um, you know, how do you feel in the morning? Are you more of a morning person or a night person? Uh, a lot of little things that even if the person doesn't really have much of an opinion of themselves as a dancer yet, uh, they have certain tells that are personality features of theirs that they've always had. And even if they're not always going to have them, it's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And then as they progress in their line dance journey, um, you know, they may discover new things and submit those new things that they've discovered to their designer, and then their designer can make modifications based on that that are predictive of where they will find themselves soon, which might be where they do end up finding themselves. Because mm -hmm. somebody probably could have predicted like seeing you whatever, you know, looking like Rachel or something, oh. saying like, oh, okay, well, let's throw all these Rachel dances at her and give her all these different things that Rachel looks good in, and, you know, maybe that'll <laughs> suit her. And then if, if they had heard about, like, you meeting Joe, they'd be like, okay, well, let's sign her up for some of that flowy stuff. Or like, you know, there are certain things that you can gather a person will find themselves at home in. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I look at myself when I started this journey and who I am now, mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm just, I am such a different person. Like, I feel like I don't even know who that person is or was. I would never want to, like, even communicate with that individual um, just because of where I was when I started. And, like, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm just one of those headstrong people. <laughs> You're not going to tell me how to live my life. I'm going to figure it out the hard way. Well, yeah, you would not be the kind of person who would have signed up for this, but some people need help. Yeah. Like, so, they, they go out seeking that. It's like how people can, like, say, oh, well, learning how to do my own plumbing made me a better, stronger person, <laughs> but other people are just like, fix my plumbing. Here's money. <laughs> Yeah, do it. exactly. Yeah. Which is why I was like, I could kind of understand where you're going with that, but at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that I thought that you were going to say was that, like, well, it shouldn't matter how you look when you dance. You can dance in sweatpants and a t-shirt. Yeah, but, like, even Rachel dresses up when it's, like, oh. nighttime at Windy City or yeah, something. Yeah, of course she you could dance in them, but I like feeling good with what I'm wearing. So yeah. I am, in that sense... It's, I don't want to put a negative connotation on it by saying that it's shallow, but I care how I'm representing myself on the outside when I'm dancing mm -hmm. just as much as um, how I feel on the inside. Because I know when I put that little extra effort into selecting an outfit that I know I feel good in, that I know I can move in, um, and... I do my hair and my makeup to go along with it, I feel better on the dance floor. I know that because I feel like I took the time to spoil myself. Mm -hmm. No, so. I agree. I actually had an experience of that in these last few days where I was just kind of like wearing comfortable clothes and um, I think my hair was exposed part of the time and like I had my glasses on and I guess you know, some of my facial hair had grown in over the course of the day. 
and I wasn't feeling my very best. And what I used to love about Kodiaks and Mavericks is that however I was anywhere else in life, when I showed up there, I had the jeans that I bought for dancing. I had shirts that I only wore at dancing, so they weren't all crinkled up at the corners and mm -hmm. uh, turned up collar or anything like that. Like, <laughs> I was my very best on the floor. Yeah. Like how I moved and how I looked and how I walked, everything was at its best there. So if I'm going to show up to an, a dance environment <laughs> knowing that I'm already like not going to look my best, then no matter how I dance, it's not 100%. Yeah. It's, it's not going to look 100% because I only came halfway. Uh, In the beginning. Yeah. So like, what's the point? Like, I know I'm not going to feel my best, so then that affects how I move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on. There is one kind of saddish one here. Oh, no. Study whether there is a difference in the makeup of alleged friendships caused by mutually assured destruction in light dance <laughs> versus organic stakeless friendships or family mutually assured destruction. Is it really friendship if it isn't tested or deep? Is it not just appreciation of being tolerated or accepted? So the idea here is that one of the things that holds people together in line dance is, um, is I think we've discussed this in previous episodes as well, um, if I do anything that makes your life difficult, then I am going to feel super awkward on the dance floor and ostracized. Like if I'm the bad guy, I didn't just upset you. I upset like dozens or you know, over 100 people on the floor. So I'm going to feel like an outcast, and I'm not going to get to drop my shields and be vulnerable and do pieces and take me to the river and whatnot. Um, and that forced politeness eventually makes you, the theory goes, uh, makes you actually polite because you have to act that way in order to uh, enjoy yourself on the dance floor. You become that person that you kind of have to be. Uh, but... A lot of friendships, just like you know, marriages and whatnot, uh, are made stronger by the arguments. It's not just you know have a marriage where you never argue, but like really see the strength of it. How much do you care about each other if you can argue and then come back and say, hey, we love each other more than uh, than this argument is important. So we can discard the argument and decide we're going to be civil for the rest of the night because that's the kind of relationship we want to have. That kind of testing makes it an actual, real, strong relationship. And I wondered, like according to this bullet point that I wrote at some point in the past, um, I wonder how strong some of the relationships in the line dance world can be when they're not tested. Like, are they just candy and politeness and sweetness and it's only held together by the fact that if we mess up then we can't do the thing we love anymore yeah i mean i know i know in recent events i've had a few of those tested more than i'd like to count actually mm. um, for whatever reason or another whether it's just um, timing apart from each other or actual situations that have arised that uh, person A took this stance while person B took that stance mm -hmm. and where I fell on that line. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly am 
one of those that tries to follow the, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I try and, and keep my nose out of a lot of things that don't necessarily need someone else standing on a soapbox for. Mm -hmm. um, I have approached a few people in the past about certain actions privately. I'm, I definitely agree with more private than like, public postings and even in group chat kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, I will reach out privately to whichever individual I feel will benefit the most from what I need to say to them. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those friendships really have taken a toll. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've taken a lot of work to even get back to where they are if they're anywhere at all. Um, and it's, it's interesting to say that because it's one of those that the reason why the friendship was tested in the first place was because of how deep into line dancing I got, mm. that it's taken up so much of my life that left other people behind mm -hmm. or they had to take a different path at the same time I did, so we split really far apart. Um, and there are some friendships in which, like I had mentioned about like taking a stance against something or for something, that have made me question, um, is the friendship mutually beneficial? Mm. Is it beneficial at all? to either party because I mean sometimes it's a matter of what you can give them as opposed to what they can give you mm -hmm. or what you both get out of it um, sometimes that individual might just need your patience and compassion for whatever they're going through um, and if that's something that you alone can give them then maybe that's why you're in their life mm. um, but sometimes it's both very unhealthy mm -hmm and you need to leave. And that's where like lines get really challenging and there's certain friendships that I thought no matter what came across, um, we would be there for each other no matter what and that hasn't been the case and then there's some that have. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a couple friendships and relationships now that I know what the stressor for the breaking point would be. I know exactly what it would be that would cause me to leave. Mm -hmm. And that particular situation hasn't come up yet. Mm. So it's not necessarily that I'm like biding my time or waiting for it, but like I know that that's where that would draw the line um, for whatever reason. Mm. And so there is a certain level in which I think Every relationship has its breaking point. It's just a matter of what that breaking point is. Mm. And if it's something that once it breaks, you're willing to put it back together. Mm. Um, and I say that only because I've had a few friendships that have broken. We spent time apart and we came back together and we were that much better off for that time apart in which we could barely call each other friends. Now, in a line dance situation, one of the problems that can happen is that 
if you need that time apart, but you both want to go to the event, how do you deal with that? If you both want to go to the country bar, uh, if you have a bad breakup and she wants to take her new guy or you want to take your new person, like how do you deal with stuff like that? Uh, and that's one of the reasons, because that awkwardness is there looming for any bad fallouts in the line dance world, uh, I wonder if that is a major reason for people being as polite as they are because yeah. I, in a normal friendship, you know, you would just take the time apart and then you come back together. But like, if you are the person who takes the time apart while they get to go to all the events, then it's like they win or something. So better just not to have the fight in the first place and then you never have to make that uh, choice who, who gets custody of the family. There's that. There is certainly that. Mm -hmm. Or the bar, as um, the case may be. <laughs> as for, like, my present self, the bar venue isn't so much of a big deal. It isn't so much of a big deal because there's so many other places that I could go dancing. Mm -hmm. Yes, it would be upsetting to lose my favorite place or whatever for whatever reason said fallout might be. Yeah, that almost happened to me in December. That um, made me feel as though like I couldn't go there. Uh, because that's what, that's what it really would come down to is it wouldn't be whether or not they couldn't go. It would be whether or not I could go. Like right. That would be the question. Yeah, we talked about how like you wouldn't even be able to enjoy it if you knew that the other person was at home wishing they could be there. Uh -huh. Like, it doesn't make you feel good dancing, no. celebrating life when you know that you pressured somebody else into, like, mm. having a worse night. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't want to go... Continue. Um, I wouldn't want to go in the off chance see them. Right. Either. Um in this particular incident, that there was a bad falling out or whatever the case may be, um, I would just find somewhere else to be, hmm. period. As for events, that would be a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. um, There's hundreds of dollars involved in going to an event or not. Y there is. <laughs> lots of planning and getting time um, off work. It would really depend on like if the event was already paid for or not. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as how much that particular event means to me as to whether or not I could swallow whatever pride got hurt. Because mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. Is the reason why you wouldn't go is because your pride got hurt. Mm. Um, or if you think that there might actually be an incident, oh, like yeah. if they're violent or something. <laughs> yes. I would hope that none of the people in my life would have that as their case. But... Yeah. <laughs> I think line dance people just don't tend to be. But yeah. Because they're so, dancers, they have to be vulnerable. Um, but with that said, there's also a lot of other events out there, too. That's true, yeah. I mean, there are some um, instructors who might steer clear of some events because of managers or whatever. But you know, there are other events they can go to that are that weekend or around that time. So yeah. they don't feel like they're necessarily missing out just because yeah. they didn't go to that one. Exactly. So depending on whatever this fallout might be, um, there are other events. It's just a matter of, like, again, like I said, getting past whatever pride was hurt hmm. if you want that specific event. So the question of whether it's a real friendship if it's not tested, uh, if we're all just being polite and that's the extent to which we are friends, is, do you... 
I'm, okay, let me answer it this way. I like to be polite because I like to be polite. Right. I think everybody deserves a level of respect in the sense that they're human beings mm -hmm. and they need to be treated as such. Mm -hmm. um, as for any type of confrontations that may come across because the friendships were tested and they failed or weren't tested, like I'm not going to go... <sighs> It's hard to explain. I'm not going to be fake with anybody. Right. I will treat you with respect because you're human. Mm -hmm. How much more respect you get after that depends on you mm -hmm. um, and how you treat other people. Um, as weird as this sounds, I can take a lot of abuse, but when I see you mistreat others, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. That means that it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that very protective nature that I'm like, no, you don't get to talk to them like that. I'm sorry. Mm. You don't get to talk about them like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, even the line dance world's politeness has its limits where if people are, you know, being all nice on, on the surface, but you hear them like gossiping about this or that event manager or that other choreographer who's difficult or something like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's very reasonable to either excuse yourself or just speak up because that other person is your friend. Yeah. Um, and if that and makes things awkward on the dance floor with you and the gossiper later, well, you find another place to stand. And th there's a way of going about it. Yeah, definitely. There, there's always a good way to talk to someone that don't put them on blast in front of everybody. Right. Yeah, as they say, praise in public, criticize in private. Yeah. I mean, that's where, as weird as it sounds, like, that's where I really consider myself. Mm -hmm. um, and any time I start to get critical of anybody... I remind myself, well, at least they're having fun. Mm. Whether it's a choice that I would make or not is beside the point. They are having fun. That's all that matters. And I'll take myself out of that negative thinking immediately with that. Um, and it's a trick that I've learned over the years. As for whether it being fake or not, I just won't talk to you. Mm. <laughs> I've done it a million times before at different venues. If I have nothing nice to say to you, then why would I be talking to you? Mm. Like, and that even goes to say, like, if they say hi, I'll say hi, but I won't, like, initiate further conversation. If they do, I will be polite and I will respond. Again, I won't initiate, though. Mm. Like, I won't find a reason to keep the conversation going mm -hmm. um, because I don't like faking politeness. Mm -hmm. I don't like faking the friendships. There's, there's too much out there that I could actually be spending my efforts on than pretending to get along with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and as for just in general sharing the dance floor, that's where I find that common ground of, well, we both love it. So you have that corner, I have this corner, and we'll stay in our corners. Mm -hmm. I'm going to move on to another bullet point. I, I, I hope it's a happier one. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find a... Uh, oh, okay. So here's one that related to something uh, from earlier. Don't make top-down plans for line dance revolutionaries. Just give them tools, possible schedules, and ideas. So if somebody looks like they're going to be really interesting in the line dance universe in the future, um, like, say, Alex from Southern California, Alex Young, 
um, it's not necessary to like give them a ladder and say, here's what you need to do to climb it, uh, do all these things, and then you will check all the boxes and become some superstar in the line dance world. Um, I think when they're really going to be amazing for what it is that they can uniquely come up with, that there are good guidelines and say, you know, try to hit this event or try to learn this staple dance. But other than that, here are some ideas and here are some tools for um, you know, improvement. You know, here's Copper Knob, here is Vivian 2's dance channel, uh, here's an uh, event calendar for everything near you, all the community centers who teach near you, uh, your area. Um, and then just kind of sit back and watch what they do because they'll probably come up with some real interesting stuff you wouldn't even have thought of. Mm-hmm. But if you gave them too much of a plan for how they should do it, then that might constrain and hurt their creativity. Yeah, perfect example would be you in this podcast. <laughs> Next bullet point, encourage hashtags at line dance events. Uh, it kind of helps extend the conversation beyond the dance floor and maybe gets more people you know, outside in the world talking about whatever the event is. Also, as I found out from Stagecoach, it makes it a lot easier to find photos. I was going to say, the photos would be the big one. Yeah. Yeah, because then you can just click that and then see everybody's photos, even if you're not you know, friends with them on Facebook or whatever. Like, you can find the hashtag on their photos. Yep. And nowadays, nowadays they have hashtags integrated with every possible app out there, so mm-hmm. regardless of which app they use, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Here's one I can cross off because it's actually in the tags on some of my podcast episodes uh, when I post them to Buzzsprout. Everything is line dance, parentheses, even that, which would also be the title of one of my books. It should be, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, teach storytelling over the course of a line dance, and this has a parallel in wrestling because you can tell a story with, uh, with you know, your various attacks and whatever uh, using pacing and like psychology and um, selling what what is happening uh, so that I don't know, depending on the outcome you're trying to achieve if it's like the underdog versus the big tough monster you're going to have a different type of match than two evenly skilled competitors who are you know both undefeated and now they're facing off like that's going to be a very different looking match than the guy who's battling against all odds to take down the, the beast or whatever uh, so I think that there are ways that you can I mean, just kind of spice up your own dancing uh, experience to tell a story over the course of the dance. Like interpreting, you are thinking singular dance, not multiple dances. Right. In one dance, like from, okay. from the beginning of, I mean, even if it's just a 32 count repeating dance, no tags mm-hmm. or restarts, you can do things at the beginning and do things at the end that are very different from each other so that you give that song its full expression using the limitations of the steps of the dance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, generally speaking, you'd want to like keep things fairly vanilla at the beginning. Um, and then, you know, if it gets... Yeah, build. And then if it gets quiet during the bridge, maybe focus more on, like, flow or, you know, smoothness. And then as it hits the ending... That's when you can start throwing flair and like exploding all over the place. Whatever, like whatever, whatever story you're trying to tell. Uh, if, if it's like a slow nightclub or something, then maybe you'd have different bullet points for that. But um, yeah, I think that would be a, a fun thing to explore further: is how to teach storytelling over the course of a single line dance, depending on the style of the dance. Yeah. That way, it's not just mechanical. 
movement for the whole thing where you start to get distracted. Uh, let's see. Another one that I would like to explore further uh, is to study the spread of successful folk songs and see what traits promote learnability uh, and how they apply to dance. Also see success in pop songs and pop dances. We've actually talked a lot about pop dances in the choreographing woke pop, hashtag woke pop uh, episode. And lately I've been learning a lot about pop songs through the Switched On Pop podcast mm -hmm. and the Popheads subreddit. Uh, which, big secret, as we're like four whatever hours in, this is where I found out fi find out all about a lot of new music. So if you've listened this far, it's reddit.com slash r slash popheads, and they post a lot of you know, brand new music. So that is our, that is our gold coin to you for, for making it this far, you lovely people. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to get the inside scoop on music, that's one good place for it. But anyway, uh, folk songs, back in the day, people would just learn them and share them, and they would go all over the place with no monetary benefit to the original songwriters, necessarily. Uh, what is it about those songs that made them so easy to pick up and learn and then share to their friends and neighbors so that they could sing them around the campfire? Whether or not we go into that now, uh, I don't know, but like that, um, that is something that I find interesting, like the analog between folk songs and like pop dances. I think just the basic principles of like keep it simple, uh, some repetition, but also having a few surprises, like rhymes that aren't quite perfect, but stick in your head because they're not quite perfect. Yeah. Um, doing that pattern establishment and then break, like we've mentioned in hashtag woke up. Mm -hmm. Any I thoughts mean, from as for <laughs> as for the learnability of the folk song and everything. Mm. I think it was also just a, a supply and demand kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like it, They needed entertainment. Yeah, and they needed new stuff. Same thing like with how circuit events originated. Mm. Was it was so that, you know, you could bring new stuff back. Mm -hmm. Like that was the whole point of it. So learning the new folk songs, I mean there has to be a simplicity to it and like you had mentioned a, a repetition, but Ultimately, it was the desire because this might be the only three songs you get for the next year. Right. <laughs> As opposed to the next week. Mm -hmm. Which seems to be the turnover these days. <laughs> what should reviews of line dance consist of if people are scripting for their own pleasure? Does technique matter? Emotional resonance? Because it's one thing to enter a dance into competition and have your stuff be judged based on that. But if people are just doing dances, like we were saying about Shape of You, some people are just like, you know what? I know there are a billion dances to this. I don't care. I like the song. I'm going to do something for me. If you want to learn it, that's fine. Some people have said that online. Mm -hmm. uh, so when people are doing that, under, do you just not give it any kind of criteria judgment at all? Or do you, I mean, it's hard to say, like, how well did this hit their emotions because it's them, it's not you. Yeah. Um, do you just, like, not give it a second thought because... They didn't ask for it. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that one. That's fine. We have many more bullet points to go. Uh, <laughs> next one is, oh, I think we talked about this before as well. I want a studio with yes. rails and drones that record official videos for line dances from multiple cameras. Yes. That would be super cool. Seconded. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then people who only have currently have the option of recording their demo alone in the kitchen. Uh, 
they can say, hey, here's my new dance. Do you want to record a demo for it? And then it'll look a whole lot better, uh, assuming that their ac application is accepted. <laughs> because not, I mean, I, I know that there is at least one dance that I have asked if a person who does demo videos would be interested in demoing, and I have yet to see that demo. But that's OK. I, I think we, we have an OK one our, ourselves. It was sort of like haphazard at Stoney's, but uh, really, though, that's one of the ones where I just enjoy doing it. If anyone else wants to do it, that's up to them. It's on Copper Knob. Uh, next is, oh, ask, this is another saddish one. Um, ask dancers when they have wanted to walk away, because I know there have definitely been times like that when I've needed to take a break, and it just wasn't going to do it for me. Like, usually it can knock me out of whatever's going on, but sometimes it only makes things worse. So um, that would be a good question for podcast interviewees. Like, when have they thought, I can't do this anymore, I just need to step away? Yeah. Um, I, would, I would be very intrigued or interested, since I am so intrigued, on hearing some people's responses, because I know I've felt that way before and walked away, and I felt that way before and didn't. Mm. Um, and I regretted walking away mm. the first time, big time. And that's why I didn't the second time. But it was really challenging to stick it through. I'm so grateful I did because of where I came out on the other side. Mm. But it was certainly when I just, I felt like it was more obligation than passion was when I, I started to question why I was doing it again, was I felt like I had this responsibility to those that I was currently held accountable to hmm. um, and what potential hurt it would cause them if I walked away. So that, would be, that was me. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next on here, mathematics of hitting spots in line dance. Study the greats. I still would like to see a, like a statistical breakdown of how often do you have like high spots in a dance and how often do you have like rest periods. Oh, we just saw something similar to that with the songwriter. What was his Max name? Max Martin. Was it Max Martin? Probably. Where they analyzed his music and it hit like very similar ways. Um, oh yeah, when we were watching that video. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it sort of looked like a peace sign, the way they all interconnected or, or something like that. And then where other genres of music, they looked totally different. Yeah, and his, because mm -hmm. his was so many huge hits. Mm -hmm. Like there seemed to be some type of formula there that he did use, mm -hmm. whether it was a known formula or not. I don't think it was ever determined, but mm. there seemed to be something there. And I have a bullet point right under that that says theoretical line dance, question mark. So like the difference between applied physics and theoretical physics. With theoretical physics, you create like theories and formulas for how things would be if they were discovered <coughs> to be that way. It would just confirm the theory um, versus like you know, applied where you, know, you already know what's going on and like, you just kind of do things. 
Um, so what would theoretical line dance look like? I think we're already doing it. Okay. Um, that would be an example of something that could happen in theoretical line dance is what would a formula for uh, a, a solid popular dance look like? Mm -hmm. And then how do you, when a new song comes out, apply the formula to that? Which we kind of try to do with hashtag whoop up. Um, play with versions of dances with different limitations each time. For example, no triples, only quarter turns, each wall for exactly six counts, etc. That would be cool. Yes. I think that that's another podcast episode challenge. I agree. And since I'm crossing this one off, we'll just have to remember that one. Limitations on dances each time. Okay. Uh, create, oh yeah, okay, these two are related because they're separated on the page, but they're very similar. Use keyboard to create, quote, near beer, like artificial or uh, a non-alcoholic beer, generic song equivalents for demo. And then later on I have create, quote, rhyming song knockoffs so choreographers can put ads on their videos. <laughs> So, for example, we have Change the Rhythm, which is blocked everywhere. It um, is. Because, I guess, whoever... That's how they wanted it. Yeah, whoever does Katy Perry's music is, like, cracking down hard on it. If there were some... I wonder very... if that's why it's not as big yet mm. as we initially thought. Because all the choreographers are getting shut down? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but I haven't even heard much, like, buzz about it on, on Facebook. Like, nobody's saying, like, I want to make this, but choreographer um, yeah. or copyright is, you know, harsh. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that would be one way to get around that sort of thing is to provide a service for line dance demo people or just choreographers in general um, so that if they want to put out a video for that song, they can use this instrumental, very similar sounding keyboard song. Replica. Mm -hmm. And then they can just put you know, ads and whatever else that they normally wouldn't be able to with somebody else's copyrighted music. Yeah. Ho, ho. All right. Let's see if I have anything else on this page. I know I have some dotted on the next page. Oh, young people have liked line dance like in the early 2000s. What will we do differently? What will be our unique mark? Interesting. Well, here's the interesting thing about that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of young people out there that really like line dancing. They just apparently don't live in Sonoma County. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are in the Netherlands. We covered that bullet point. <laughs> um, a lot of them are on the East Coast. That too. Yeah. <laughs> so figuring out what they're doing that we could, I think, is the trick. Mm. It, it's amazing how thriving the community appears to be from this point of view. Hmm. Use deep bass when announcing counts during a lesson to infiltrate the senses, like how bonfire heat causes a remote state change across distance. Like you, even if you're a little bit away from a bonfire, you feel the heat and... Um, if you use like a deep bass in your voice, then I guess the idea here is that even at a distance from the speaker, you can feel the count. So maybe that'll make it stick more for you, just like how people sometimes say the count to themselves. I, I think the next one was also related because it also has to do with a bonfire. <laughs> it says, like a bonfire with dead ash beaten and scraped away to expose hotter and brighter wood underneath, some stifled dancers may glow stronger with chaff cleared away. 
So if you're, say, stuck at Tradewinds and you feel like you need to... Stop and walk away from Dance Forever? And bl blow away the ashes so that you can glow brighter, then maybe that's... If you can't blow away the ash, then maybe you just need to take that log and move it somewhere with more oxygen. Hmm. Or at least have somebody who does it for you. Mm. Next page. <laughs> um, to get deeper into the flow, dancers should learn the words to songs. I know that that helps with me. <laughs> I like knowing the words. Here's the thing about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you can know the song lyrics so much that that's where you get stuck and then you forget that you're dancing. Ah. <laughs> but, yes, I feel like there's certain certain songs that I can actually get into the flow sooner or I can go deeper in when it comes to actually knowing the lyrics, knowing where it's going to hit, knowing where the melody is going to change, knowing where the piano keys are going to, you know, tinkle like in this little specific area that allows me to just go there. Mm -hmm. um, or even some of them like um, pieces. Mm. There's a few things about that particular dance and that song that although it's not choreographed into it, I go lyrical mm. because I've been able to connect with the music and that song so well and I know where it hits. Mm -hmm. So. Next, if you don't, th oh, we kind of talked about this earlier. If you don't think you're going to put out the best version of a dance for a song, set it to a different song. You're just fragmenting the audience and making people feel guilty that they don't want to choose you. <laughs> hmm. There's some truth to that. Mm -hmm. It's part of the reason I haven't learned a couple dances. Mm, yeah. Uh, here's one that I don't think I need anymore, but um, was an earlier idea for podcast stuff. Come up with the meanest, nastiest criticisms of line dance and antidotes for all of them. And I used to ask <laughs> people uh, in like the first few podcast episodes, when were times that you were criticized for you know, being Whatever a dancer? Reason. And then how did you get past that? And then as it turns out, a lot of people didn't really have answers for that. And the more that I've been doing this, the less that I have been personally criticized for it. So maybe it was just me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends it on the pressing. criticism, I guess. Yeah. And because I have certainly, over the last couple months, met more criticism from non line dancers mm. and even some of people who I consider to be my closest friends as to my choice making mm. when it comes to line dance. Um, as for actual like dancing abilities or movements or anything like that, if someone said anything I wouldn't know because mm -hmm. I haven't heard anything. Um, but I, I certainly have met with some criticism that is more like life choice questionings hmm. that I've summed up with, it makes me happy. Hmm. So if you really care about me, accept it. Mm -hmm. um, I might just be one of the stronger individuals though. Hmm. I don't know. Because hmm. that's what it comes down to is it makes me very happy. Mm -hmm. And that's where my priority is. Two that are related to each other. Uh, Dancers use singer's work and give little back, 
And then another separate one is line dance's weakness is being unacknowledged by their muse musicians. So if somebody inspires people to make dances, then it seems kind of one way. The dancers will put in all this work and time and create a dance, and the musician never finds out about it. Uh, also, hmm. we're not really that significant a source of income for them, as far as I can tell, because mm -hmm. it's a small community. And uh, yeah, I think if, if more of a relationship were created between the two halves, like Scooter Lee and Joe, for example, Joe Thompson, yeah. uh, then that would benefit all of us. Like the musicians would have more people listening to their work and um, waiting for the next album what? to come Shotgun out. Shotgun Jefferson. Oh yeah, with Noe. With yeah. Noe and some of the SoCal people. Like they've done a really good job on the last um, two big events. Like I know of them because they've made a point to be a part of the line dance world. Mm -hmm. So, and you had Noe choreograph the first one, and then Emily was in the video as the lead female for the second one. Mm -hmm. So like them giving such a representation of the line dancers like really put them on at least my radar so i'm more inclined to listen to them because they've made that effort and i want to give back to what they've done for people i know mm -hmm. find a way for people to use things they have with them all the time like pens and shoes to remind them of line dance and create something new like towels? Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of along those lines. Do something crazy. Mm -hmm. Let's choreograph a dance with towels. Yeah. So if you have something common that makes people remember the dance floor or whatever, then it might make casual people or casual, casually interested people um, think more about it so that it takes up more of their time. And they're like, well, if it's taking up this much of my mental space, I guess I better go back and scratch that itch. And then it just kind of deepens the loyalty among people who are already into it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, let's see. Open mic is free entertainment that a venue hosts, making the entertainers look their best and giving a rub to the hosts while keeping butts in seats. Line dance venues should also make their dancers appear worth coming to see as a special attraction. Now, I wouldn't want to like make anyone's ego huge with that, but I kind of see where I was going with that bullet point. Because there are definitely times early on going to Kodiaks when I would be there hoping to see this or that dancing person uh, just because they're like so compelling to watch. That was before I knew hardly anything about dance. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that might be a nice thing to encourage for people that, they, that the venue knows will be going there uh, regularly. Maybe kind of incentivize them to keep coming and just thank them for being there. Um, and then while they are creating this nice environment to make the dancer look great, just like an open mic does that for a musician, the musician or the dancer keeps people coming in to see them because mm -hmm. it could work both ways. But right now that relationship doesn't really seem to uh, explicitly exist for the dancer and, and venue host. At the least way it in does our with area. Open mic. Yeah, at least in our area. Uh, let's see. I'll come back to that one. Uh, I know it's been attempted in our area a couple times, but... How to make a dance look unreminiscent of any others, like Confident and Whip It. Confident actually does have a segment that reminds me of a couple of D Darren Bailey and Amy dances, but uh, Whip It is very unique. 
stomp your feet also. Maybe it's Shane. And I guess Guyton does that with his as well. Well, although he does have that forward sweep, that like the serpentine thing, that comes up a lot. But um, yeah, whip it that I have here as an example um, doesn't remind me of too many other dances. Question is, does confident remind you of those dances because it came out after those dances, or did they? Does do those dances remind you of confident because they came after confident? I mean, I learned confident before I saw that pattern done in other dances, even though the other dances were older. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's what I was trying to find out is were the other dances older so that they took from those and put into confident or whatever. Yeah. Not well, that that necessarily was the case, but. Like when I do that section in confident, it kind of reminds me of like make it shake or whatever, whereas doing any section in whip it doesn't really remind me of anything else that I can think of off the top of my head. It's very unique. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure there's like one movement somewhere mm -hmm. that I could probably find, mm -hmm. but. And even then, like, even if it's a similar <laughs> movement, they keep all of those sections so brief. Exactly. That, whereas with the part in confidence, like out and out and forward and back twist twist, like that's a long section in mm -hmm. dance terms in, in my head. Yes. So I have so much time for my mind to go there. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to come back to this one because I was putting it off for a while. Oh. I wasn't sure exactly how it connected. Boobs. Boob psychology, it says here. Boob psychology. They don't have to be stellar on their own, but they gain from enhanced presentation with support, focus drawing, teasing, shaping, colorful top layers, and little local competition. This somehow related to line dance when I wrote it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I guess um, that could probably relate to a lot of things in life. Uh, but yeah, even if they aren't amazing on their own, if they are supported, let's say you are a dancer with support from your friends. If you're doing a dance and you're not doing it alone, but you're doing it with other people, that'll make your dance look more interesting because you're not the only person doing it. Focus drawing. Um, by maybe doing provocative movements or interesting movements that are unexpected by people. So you're showing people, like, I'm not afraid of you looking at me, just like uh, presented um, boobs, boobs are, um, <laughs> are, are implicitly giving people, like, the idea, I know that it looks like this, so I know that you're probably going to look. Um, teasing, similar thing, like... Uh, if there's that hint of you can kind of see it, but you also kind of can't, then it keeps things interesting. Just like if in a dance you are doing something that kind of hints at what you might do next, but then you don't quite do it, then it makes people like, it leaves them on the hook to see whether you're going to do it later. Shaping, this kind of goes along with wearing clothes that work for you mm -hmm. as a dancer. Like Roy wears clothes that are close to his skin. And because of that, all the subtleties in his muscular isolations are visible. Mm -hmm. If he just wore a bunch of baggy stuff, you'd never see that. Same thing with, with boobs. revealing clothing. Yes, shaping. Um, <laughs> colorful top layers. Uh, again, like just by association, having an exciting color or um, pattern on top of them, by association, will make them look better. And there are dancers who play that very well. Like it's the difference between wearing something flowy and silky and bright and wearing like a brown t-shirt. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, little local competition. It also helps if all of your girlfriends are not wearing the same kind of thing. If you're the only person who is looking this 
you know, poppy outy, then people are more likely to look at you. Just like if you're doing your demo and you are allowed to maybe put a little bit of flair and everyone else is doing vanilla, it's going to make you stand out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So there you go, boob psychology and line dance. Okay. Yep. And let's see, how much time did we have left? We had one hour 35, I believe, for this episode. We're now at 127. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, okay, here's another one. <clears throat> Just like wrestling is filling... Do you have any thoughts on boob psychology, by the way? <laughs> you pretty much covered it. It's okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, just like wrestling is filling up with people my age, which is very alarming, by the way, considering I grew up with wrestling, uh, in my teens anyway, a vacuum will form in line dance to be filled by um, people with ability, charisma, looks, loyalty, and toughness. Imagine what infrastructure will be needed for highest production values. And I think what I meant by that was like how ECW used to take a wrestler's strengths and really play those up okay and promote those strengths about that wrestler i think that depending where a dancer's strength is whether they are really technically amazing but they're not very social or whatever um if they are more of some of these these traits than others with ability charisma looks loyalty and toughness um what infrastructure will they need to support that about them to make them set themselves apart and show how good they are at that trait. I don't know what infrastructure would be needed or how you would set it up, but that's a bullet point that I had written. Yeah, I wouldn't know where to begin on those. Yeah. I just think of like me as a dancer, what I would need. Hmm. And essentially it's more or less um, supportive individuals that are willing to give me um, criticism Mm -hmm. in the sense of like how I can grow Mm -hmm. and you know be willing to teach me Mm -hmm. basically live stream all of my lessons and show continuity not disconnected meaninglessness the idea behind this was that in one video, you might have something written on the board in the back. And then in the next video, you might have either something added on to that or something else written in its place. And then over the course of several videos, you'll realize that there's a pattern emerging. And maybe it's like a secret message that you decode with each video. Or it's a picture that keeps getting more drawn on it so that it makes like this mural by the end of it so that you feel rewarded for having watched all the video lessons. Hmm. In which case, like, you kind of learn by accident because you were really there to see the thing that was added for each video. It gives you anticipation for the next one also. If you're already five in and you want to see what the next word is, then you better tune into the next lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're already halfway there. I stream most of your stuff. That's true. (laughs) And we probably have some secret messages that even we haven't decoded (laughs) in these episodes. Um, Let's see. Oh, um, step substitutes exist on a spectrum or web like evolved Pokemon. So you start with something like walk, walk, and then you can turn that into like full turn. Or um, let's see, what are some other ones? Like a grapevine could be like a rolling vine or um, let's see, one, two, three, touch. One, two, you could like syncopate it. Like anyway, as we're getting closer to time, you can have like the most basic form of a step or combination and then the next 
complex form beyond that, and then the next beyond that, and then that concludes more or less what you could do within the framework of it still being considered that step with things added or subtracted from it. Yeah. And I then, mean, it would be nice to have a website with just the steps, but then the evolutions would be really cool, too. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> All right. We are getting dangerously close right. to our time. We're at 131. I think we have up to 135. Do you have any final thoughts um, um, on everything that we have discussed? At this point, I, I don't even know what we've discussed yeah. <laughs> five hours later. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I think we covered a lot of stuff that we already implement. Yes, I agree. Um, Old notes. Yeah, and that, that's kind of a cool realization mm -hmm. that a lot of this we already at least halfway do, if not all the way do. Mm -hmm. um, I am certainly intrigued about the um, ideal like choreographer, instructor, person, like the three people that you would combine. Mm. Um, it makes me kind of question what I want to present mm. as myself and what I can do to work out to be those three people in one. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of uh, a new fun goal to aspire to. Quick but. pause. And we are back from our quick pause. We, um, we were at Sonoma State very long after hours. And apparently... Um, campus security was locking up the campus. Mm -hmm. Campus security at Sonoma State, by the way, is the police. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was all very, very quick, though. They, they just kind of popped their heads in. We said, oh, should we wrap up? And they said, oh, yeah. And we we said, have up. a good night. And yeah, that was it. Yeah. So thank you for sticking around this long uh, as, we, as we say good night from our remote location at the place where I live, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like 10 minutes from Sonoma State. Yeah. Um, good long episode. That was like five hours. Yeah. Five hours and some minutes. I really hope you keep them separate. Yes, I'll, I'll <laughs> see about that, and I'll see if the, all this fits into the the time allotted. Yeah. Um, we'll catch you in the future. Bye. <laughs>